you can see it in the simplest of ways in that teachers are solving problems all the time. It's in the interactions with students. Mm -hmm. It's how teachers are squinting at what do they need and what can I create in order to help them get to that aha, right? So that's the simplest form of it. But then there's also the realities in a school that teachers can be participating in around how all the pieces come together. And so there's so many levels by which teachers are designing every single day and maybe not always realizing it. Welcome to the IDOU Creative Confidence Podcast, a series focused on building your confidence at work to tackle your biggest creative challenges. Join us as we learn insights and lessons straight from IDEO and today's most impact-oriented design thinking leaders. Hi, I'm Suzanne Gibbs-Howard. And I'm Kalita Stafford. Sandy is a partner here at IDEO and leads our practice in design education. Tell me a little bit about, you've always been at the crossroads of design and education. How, how did you get there? What, yeah, what brought, what's been your, your journey here? Well, my background is as a designer Mm -hmm. and I was also a teacher always. I taught design Mm -hmm. to fifth Mm -hmm. graders for many years and then also was teaching at a university. And when I was teaching, I had this feeling that there was a gap between how the world had changed and what the students were prepared to navigate. And so I felt that there was a gap in our system and that design could do something about that. So I decided to find the intersection of those things. And so now you lead this practice around around education at IDEO. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What is, yeah. what is the practice and what is, what's an example project or what's yeah. something you do? So, um, yeah, for the last 10 years, we've been building up this practice. And mostly the question underneath it was really, what can design do to advance education? And that's still probably the question that motivates us because yeah. there's an endless supply of ways to answer that question. Mm-hmm. But when we look at it from the context of what IDEO can do in that mm-hmm. it, right now, there's sort of, we're designing learning tools and technologies. We're designing schools and school systems, and sometimes national strategies around education, but then also really prioritizing building the creative capabilities of the sector, because we're really clear that we can create some really high fidelity answers, like here are new solutions, but that the real change has to come from within. And so how can we help the whole sector be the innovators of the future? And one thing I love about Sandy, because I've gotten to work with Sandy a few times, you are very realistic. You are grounded. You 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 know what's real, and yet you have this amazing ability to inspire people. And mm. I think that's one of the things that it's not always obvious to people working in the sector that it's not just about creating things. It's about the mindset by which you work in this space. And that's yeah. one thing that. Oh, thanks, do you have a philosophy that kind of underlies like how you how you engage people in this space? One of the things that I think a lot about is how important it is to have imagination, that if we want things to be different, we have to believe a better future is possible, but we also have to be able to imagine past what we've experienced. At the same time, imagination absent of reality doesn't advance us. And so I do think there's something about like practical imagination. How do we make sure that we manage both sides at once? One of the core questions is, what do we mean by education? Is there a focus area for today we want to focus yeah, on? Yeah, I think that education is quite broad. It's not just K-12, it's higher ed, yeah. it's, it's adults, how we're learning. And education tends to nod to our formal systems. Yeah. And I think that we'll weave today between learning 
mm-hmm. and how we design for that to happen and also our systems and how those are designed ideally to foster learning. Let's start with one of the questions and then we're going to dive into our first part on an activity. There are so many people involved in innovation in the education system these days. Um, who are, who should be involved? Yeah. 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 And who are the different people and sectors involved in innovation these days? One of the things that I think is so tricky about innovation in education is everybody thinks they own it. Maybe it's because a lot of us went to school and so we think we know it, but we tend to think of it as like simple and solvable. But I like to point out that education is just as complex as say commerce. Yeah. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't say that one one group could innovate in commerce, but not right, another. Right. And so what we want to look at in education is actually how all the pieces come together. So parents, teachers, students themselves should really have a voice in designing mm-hmm. our schools. But that doesn't mean that the government doesn't have a role or that foundations don't have a role or that businesses don't have a role because it's all connected and all about how we're living together as a society. So ideally we figure out processes where everyone can be included in solutions. Uh, And it's, and that's not lofty. That is actually, it's kind of the only way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So with that, let's, as big as that is, let's also bring it down to some very tactical ways that people can get started in shifting or or amplifying their perspective. So right. I want to share an activity that I know you're passionate about, and it comes mm-hmm. from a colleague group of ours. So we're, um, at IDOU, we believe not just talking about how you learn these things, but actually equipping you with ways to do it. So one of the activities we chose is called Shadow a Student, mm-hmm. and this comes from the Teachers Guild. So let's start there. What What is the Teachers Guild? The Teachers Guild is a professional learning community for okay. teachers. That's really about innovating both for your classroom and from your classroom. Okay. So think about that in terms of like their teachers are designers. They're designing yep. all the time. Yep. And the Design Thinking for Educators Toolkit was originally created to help teachers be more intentional about okay. that design process. Okay. But now the Teachers Guild has built an online community yep. where teachers across the country can work together on problems of practice and problems of context, I guess yep. you could say. Yep. But also there are now um, district partnerships. Yep. We have chapters, districts that have signed on to say, we're really interested in involving everybody in our community, particularly led through teachers in okay. solving some of the pains and problems we feel. I like the comment, teachers are designers. Like yeah. you have been in this for so long that that's intuitive to you. Yes. But that is still a new message for some people. Teachers yeah. Maybe, yeah. We can slow designers. that teachers are designers. And you can see it in the simplest of ways in that teachers are solving problems all the time. And so it's in the interactions with students. Mm -hmm. It's how teachers are squinting at what do they need and what can I create in order to help them get to that aha, right? So that's the simplest form of it. But then there's the physical space of the classroom. There's, I mean, pedagogy is designed. You're designing how you teach. But then there's also the realities in a school that teachers can be participating in around how all the pieces come together. And so uh, there's so many levels by which teachers are designing every single day and maybe not always realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's continue with that. So the activity we're showing is shadow a student. Tell me a little bit, what is the connection of this activity? What is it and what does it have to do with design thinking? I often like to flip that a little bit and talk about it as what does it mean to think and act like a designer? If design thinking is a term that encapsulates all of the orientation of the world that a designer has, the question becomes, how do we think and act like a designer? 
Um, and generally, there's methods for that, and there's mindsets for that. And I know your community is really well versed in that already, so we don't have to list them all. But a key part of it is really knowing who you're designing for. That is the entry into any question that you might want to answer. And a lot of times, educators are so connected with their students mm -hmm. because they spend days with them right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for many days that there's often a kind of like, I know them. Mm -hmm. And also, I, you see with educators over many years, a feeling of like, I know the patterns, I know the pulses. And actually, that's true. But often there are things that people feel or experience that are likely going to be a surprise. So how are you on a continuous quest to make sure that you're understanding the people that you're designing for? And that's mm -hmm. what Shadow a Student is about. So I'll, I'll explain a little bit about it. And then Sandy can share a couple stories of what you've heard, how people have done it or the impact. And we do encourage you, there's a whole toolkit you can download. And there's four steps. And the big idea is to empathize with your students. Like you said, Sandy, even though you may be very well be aware of the patterns, there's something very inspiring to go deep with one person. Yeah. The first step is we, and you'll see from the Teachers Guild, they specialize in designing activities that enable cohorts of people to share experiences because that's where the richness is. It's not just you doing it alone, but you seeing and sharing with others as well. So this is a collective site where you can also share your experiences. Step one, you're going to prep and there's, there's some steps for how you're going to do that. What do you want to learn? Who is the student you want to shadow? Step two, spend the entire day and, and, and tracking some of your observations Step three, you're going to reflect on your observations, question them. What were some assumptions you had going in? What shifted? And then step four, one of our favorites, is use that as inspiration, as fuel to then make some action plans for what you want to do, how you want to engage the student, how you want to engage different stakeholders. And so that's at a very high level. Sandy, do you have some example stories of what's been done or what have you heard? Yeah. So over the past couple of years, mm -hmm. this program was originally created for school leaders, uh, but of course everybody can do it. Um, yeah. Particularly for school leaders, they might be even further away than many teachers from what the student experiences in their school. And so, you know, when we saw people starting their day, meeting that kid at home, taking the bus with them or, you know, yeah. walking with them to school, We've had a few thousand school leaders do this over yeah. the last few years. And if you watch on Twitter, the, it's been so inspiring to see there are things like, you know, hey, look at me with my brown bag lunch or look at me and my yeah. sneakers, you know, because of how fun it feels actually to be, yeah. um, to be a kid again. But then we see reflections throughout the day of like, oh my God, gym class is like mortifying or videos of, of school leaders having to play the drums in class, <laughs> um, which are all the like, that's the, again, get that out of your system. But then we see things like realizing how many logins throughout the day they've had to manage and, and how hard that was actually to navigate, like remembering all those passwords or just how much we're compressing students, how intense each class is and how they're going from class to class to class and how very little bandwidth there is to process what you just learned. We see people immediately acting on certain things like, wow, I had no idea the food in our cafeteria was so bad. Yeah. That's a really common response. Other things like there's not enough time to transition between classes to even use the restroom. Right. Wow, that's a thing we've got that's to shift, thing, right? Yeah. That like we are like yeah. even denying a basic human need, right? So the immediate insights 
that turn into immediate solutions are mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Because those are the, oh my gosh, I just, it is not what I intended. Let's yeah. fix this. But I think what's even more important is seeing how that becomes routine practice of inquiry. Mm-hmm. Is my school delivering on what I intended it to? Yeah. Is my school yeah. set up as I wish for it to be? Yeah. How can I, how can we make it better as a community? Is um, what starts to happen when after school leaders tend to be so inspired by seeing the reality, then uh, it actually catalyzes that imagination. And we see a lot more involving other people asking, inviting other people to spend a day shadowing, clearing time to do that. And in order to build a routine dialogue about what is happening, who are our kids and how can we best serve them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Sandy, why, why does design and education, design thinking or design in education matter now? What's what's happening? Why is this an important topic? Yeah, I would probably say that it's mattered always, but maybe now feels even more important because of the strains that we are feeling in the world in general. It does feel like there's an increase of our systems being challenged or breaking down a recognition of the new how hard it is to innovate in new spheres. You could see that also with the education system, the need to innovate in it. But in general, it does really feel like we need new solutions continuously in the way the world is rapidly changing. And so we need to prepare people to engage in that. We need creative solutions and we need creative problem solvers. Okay. So let's, let's dig into that. We'll yeah. even give, I know you have so many examples as well. So you've often talked about, there's kind of three, three ways that we can think about design thinking or three things that design thinking can do. Yeah. Do you want to share those three and then let's dig into each one? Yeah, maybe I could just bridge from the last okay. question that there's obviously there's teaching design thinking. There's helping young people learn to be agents of change. And that's, I think, a very natural place for educators to go. Like, here's this really interesting process, this way of, of engaging in creative problem solving. Let's help students learn that. Okay. There is also using design thinking to address problems in education, to be designing new solutions. That's designing the tools or designing the schools or designing the solutions within schools. It's a lot of the realm that IDEO um, is, mm-hmm. is working. And then there's like a maybe a more cryptic <laughs> category that's about that design thinking as an example of work culture. And what we can learn from design thinking to be thinking about how in schools in particular, we are continuously designing those environments. And so it's about the behaviors of how we go about the work we do. So we'll, that is, we'll dig into that. We'll, we'll know, get that there. Do you want to start with this? Let's start with the students as change makers or students as, yeah. and even though some people may be familiar with design thinking and the role of design, let's, let's just back up and just, what do we mean? Why, what is, what is design thinking as it applies to education mean? I feel like that's like the most existential of questions, even though it's phrased as the most basic, but that's cool. I can do it. Okay. Um, Yeah. No, I think this is really coming back to that, what I was saying before, that thinking and acting like a designer. Okay. And I, I... I do. I, there's like a linearity here. If we okay. recognize there are problems and um, and pains in the world that need creative solutions, and we recognize that our only way into that is by designing new solutions, then it does feel important that we understand the realm of design. And what does it mean to think and act like a designer? Okay. So we can pull that apart. The, the acting like a designer is being empathic um, to the people we're designing for, understanding their lives and needs, and using that as a source of inspiration for imagining new solutions. And not just imagining them, but trying them out, learning from, putting them into practice, and iterating on them. 
But then there's also an orientation around that. It's not like you're sitting off in a corner, just like solving stuff. You're collaborating with other people and you've got to be optimistic. I think there's one of the biggest, biggest flags in education in general because of how much kind of pain and how difficult Mm -hmm. it is. Optimism is pretty, you know, it's there, but also hard to find. But in order to create a new future, you've got to believe a new future is possible. So there are attitudes and mindsets that that designers have to have when they're going about the work that they're doing. One of my favorite examples of of helping young people learn through these means is something called the um, Design for Change Challenge. And this is something that's happening globally. I think the number now is about 60 countries. And it's a really simplified design process for young people to engage in making change in their communities. Step one, feel the pains and problems around you. Step two, imagine. Imagine what you can do about that. Step three, do something about it. And then share, share back with your community what you did. Yep. So essentially, you know, people can know that kids can make a difference and you can see what you've done because you see it in the reflected eyes of adults. So you have kids taking on challenges like literacy or littering or um, um, voting rights or gender difference or homelessness, um, alcoholism. And it's amazing what they're designing. Yeah. And what's so cool to see as this has gone global, the kind of, pulse of the problems that young people see in different countries. You know, for a while in Bhutan, there was a lot of like focus on littering, but in Finland, it was fishermen's rights. There's a, there's really um, inspiring stuff happening through design for change. It's so powerful. And it's applies across, like you said, any context, any country. And, and it's all about empowering students in their local community, in their local lives to see and do Yes. And there are so many programs like this now around the world. And a lot of them happen um, outside of formal school. I'm sure that's on the mind of a lot of you listening is that makes sense. Yeah, that's nice. But how does it fit into the school day? And we are seeing increasingly more and more schools that are integrating design thinking into the curriculum, um, either as, you know, kind of focused labs integrated with makerspaces or as ways to teach other topics, right? It's like a scaffold for project-based learning that you can use design process in order to investigate some of the other topics that you're trying to learn. Right. And let's move on to the second dimension of design Mm -hmm. thinking as it shows up in education. And this is the idea of schools and tools and how how we actually use this to address opportunities and challenges within schools. Yeah. So this is really where design thinking is about solving. So if in the first we talked about teaching others to solve, this is really about solving. And I think before it seemed like, oh, it's obvious with products. You know, um, I get that when you make a shopping cart IDO, you'd use this process. But how does that apply to schools? Well, you know, in in order to do that, you have to start by understanding what the problems are around you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so it may be things like solving how we better design school drop off, or it may be even how do we design a better school? Um, It may be how do we improve certain outcomes? It may be how are we scaling our approach to learning? The kinds of things that we're designing here from IDEO with a lot of our partners are things like we worked with an organization in Peru called Innova Mm -hmm. Schools to design a whole school model that would be affordable for the emerging middle class, scalable to be able to disrupt the country's challenged education Mm -hmm. system and be international quality. So young people there had a really um, great chance to thrive in the future. Yeah. And I love, so that example, can you give me a tangible example of what, what was something they did to achieve that? And 
I can tee up something I remember hearing about was yeah. with so many students in the classroom and there's only so much expertise from within one teacher. So they started just, they thought about how you could design roles for other, other teachers to be mentors within the space and yeah. even students. So do you want to, yeah, like give me an example of what that looks like. Yeah, it's so comprehensive in terms mm-hmm. of the, the, the mm-hmm. depth by which we looked into this. But one of the things that was important to recognize is how much teachers there wanted to be part of the solution. They didn't want to be given scripts about, you know, what to read. They didn't want to be displaced. Nobody wants that, actually. And so it was really important for us to uphold, even when teaching in a new way, that it was really important that Innova gave teachers the creative freedom to um, design how they were teaching. At the same time, be given scaffolds of support and learning and growth over time to progress themselves, to learn themselves, which, you know, a lot of our schools aren't necessarily always thinking about. We tend to focus so much on the learner, but not necessarily the parents or the teachers or the whole community as part of the learning engine. But one of the things we designed with Innova that Innova has done a remarkable job building was creating something in their case called the Teacher Resource Center, which was actually creating a clearer lesson arc for constructivist learning, which was a new mode of learning in Peru, not typical, not many, a lot of the teachers were not uh, raised in that way themselves. So teaching that is even harder. So we said, how do we simplify that? And then we had 54 teachers pre-author 18,000 lesson plans for how that might, I know, but for how that might play out across K-12 in many different subjects. But the important thing there is we built in this kind of ethic of like 70-30, keep 70% of it, change 30% of it. But if you change something, if you want up to, mm-hmm. you know, so that we could maintain a core of consistency, mm-hmm. but also we could leave room for creative freedom. And in that, if you decide to change something, post it to this digital system so that other teachers can see what you've done, so that teachers can be learning from each other, so that the central office can see some of the bright spots around curriculum and modify that into the core. So it's really about how to... I mean, one of the aspects of Innova is how to design it as a learning engine. Yeah. Yeah. But so what I love about that example, too, is you showed, like you said, design thinking, often people think about products. So that's an example of how, here's how you thought of a system. Yeah. The roles within it, yeah. the resources, even the, the principles that guide how people behave, like the 70-30. Yeah. And all of those things can be intentionally design. Yeah. And, and, and specifically for the context they're in. Yeah. And um, uh, a lot of people might be also in that same context, right. but we had to really, we spent a month, you know, in Peru and talking mm-hmm. to hundreds of people, you know, teachers and students and school leaders and, and parents and community leaders and really tried to understand the state of things so we yeah. could make sure what we were design, designing helped everybody be successful, but also help them continually grow. Yeah. So let's just to be really authentic too, we make it sound like it was so easy. So a big thing within design and education is prototyping. Yeah. You don't get it right the first time. Yeah. Is there, can you give an example of just how did you, how did you begin or what were some ways that you prototyped some of these new behaviors or tools or resources? And what does that look like? Great question. Well, I'll use Innova so we don't have to say some new new context, but prototyping in education is really hard. I, I think that there's generally a, a consistent attitude of don't experiment on my child, which is completely okay. understandable. At the same time, 
I think that it's hard for people to recognize that the current system actually is an experiment that may or may not actually be working in a lot of cases. So I do think that we have a challenge in how the inquiry into what might work best is very hard to integrate into schools because of the fear that it might not work what we're trying. So totally get that. It feels high risk. Yep. So, you know, with Innova, we had created some really specific isolated experiments that people agreed to participate in that were about looking at, let's say, you know, we were integrating tools um, like Khan Academy into how kids might learn math. And there was a control study looking at other classrooms and um, what would go wrong, how to look at which worked better and what we had to iterate on. But one of the first like hilarious things was how many things went wrong. (laughs) Um, And so you almost couldn't do the study because like, the internet wasn't available or like there wasn't enough power to the laptops because kids never remembered to plug them in or there were all these things that kept surface. And so then you realize, oh, this isn't exactly about like what's going to work or not, but like what are the best, what are, the, what do we need to do in order to make this work? Even, yeah. And so that, that was a big shift, I think, in terms of realizing that a lot of prototyping isn't mm-hmm. about proving or disproving but it's about continually designing the improvement yeah, yeah. of a thing you believe in. And we learned a ton of stuff that was also really yeah. surprising in that very well-designed experiment, yeah. Yeah. which is there was an assumption, all the data that they had was that kids had no access outside of school to the internet. And so there was an assumption that any, any digitally enabled learning would have to happen in school, period. Mm-hmm. That was like a truth. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the number is 80%. 80% of the kids that were using Khan Academy in that prototype logged in outside of school. Outside of school. And so you start to see what I love about yeah. that example too is as you start to prototype things, yeah. it 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 creates even it ripples out and creates other behaviors that yes. you might not have thought of. That's right. Yeah. And so I just just to kind of conclude yep. on that, I, I think it's how do we in education adopt a mindset of continuous design. Continuous design. Not okay. prove or disprove. Yeah. And it, yeah. in a way that continuous design is about continuous learning. We have this hunch that this might help something. How do we try it in a way that helps us learn? But yep. also realize we're going to learn a whole bunch of things we didn't yep. expect to learn and then we have to keep trying yep. it. Right. Yeah. I want to do one last uh, one last t- kind of topic. You talk. I want to unpack that abstract space around oh, what yeah. do you mean by work culture. Yeah. So the kind of third dimension of how how this all the other role that design thinking can play in education. You yeah. talk about work culture. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So actually, this looks a lot like what the Teachers Guild is doing right now with the okay. chapters with the district partners. Okay. And it's essentially like how are we all orienting in this way about continuous learning together? So if we see there's a problem that we collectively want to solve. Mm-hmm. How do we all go about solving it as part okay. of our work, right? Okay. Not as like a separate side project or not as like a weekend yeah. hustle, yeah. but as a thing that we do together. And so you, we're starting to see schools and districts engage their community as their mode of working in new ways. Um, St. Brain in Colorado is a, they're doing some impressive things where they're like issuing challenges to the districts and supporting teacher led teams to, um, to develop solutions. And then um, they're, they're learning together from the different solutions that are being developed across the district. Like I think a couple of years ago, they did something about how might we increase student voice across the district. Okay. And so these, this is about working differently. A lot of educators feel really isolated. They're in their classroom. They close the door they plan alone. And this is about moving from that sort of isolation into more of a collaborative 
culture, moving from planning, 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 planning to trying and learning and iterating. And that's where design thinking becomes the way you work, not Mm -hmm. a thing you do on the side. That's helpful. And with that, thank you, Sandy. Clearly, we'll have to do this again because I think there's a lot of of passion on this. And we encourage you to go shadow a student. Try it out and bring in some of these activities into your your, practice. See what new imagination that gives you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creative Confidence from IDOU. Stay up to date on our Creative Confidence conversations and send your questions for our upcoming guests. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and sign up for our IDOU newsletter at IDOU.com backslash CC. Thanks for joining us.